I, uh, I, was, uh, I was out of town when they recorded that, and, and I didn't even know that it was going to get recorded. We do a conversation for the city once a month, and I, I, didn't, I didn't take note of it being on the schedule. And I got back, and I was like, I felt really left out. I was like, oh, man. And, and if you watch that, those guys are great. They can get on each other a little bit, and they're just, they're just super fun. Um, but uh, you're going you're gonna to enjoy that. Uh, I wanted to welcome you uh, here this morning, whether you're here in person or uh, digitally, or maybe even joining us at some later time uh, via recording or, or something like that. In any case, you're welcome, wherever you are. Maybe you're, uh, I don't know. We got, we got people watching and being a part of this church and even contributing to this church from Texas and Florida and Cambodia, um, uh, even Africa. Uh, it's, it's just phenomenal the connections God's been able to make uh, for us and with us, and, and, and we enjoy uh, great relationships. So wh- wherever you are, thanks for being a part of it. Um, if, you, if you know me, and many of you d- don't really very well, um, uh, I have uh, maybe not all the, the exact right filters that you would want if you're communicating, talking. Uh, sometimes the mouse gets moving before the, the, the mind engages, and um, I have a tendency to just put all my cards on the table. I really, don't, I really don't know, I don't know the nuances of putting part of your card. I don't know how to do that. <clears throat> and I wanna, so I want to tell you a couple of things. I want to talk to you briefly about some things um, that are concerning that I know you'll want to know about. Uh, and if you're watching from home, or maybe you wouldn't even consider yourself part of the Vista community you'll think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Trust me, it absolutely does. Um, churches are folding, closing up their doors, dying um, all over the world. Um, in America, it's, 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 not con- it's not contained to any one particular place. Um, they, they are struggling. Uh, does that mean that... Uh, the movement of God is suffering? No, it does, it does not mean that at all. It doesn't. Uh, the Spirit of God is alive and well and moving His church. And, and the Bible tells us and Jesus told us, not even the, the, the powers of Hades, not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. The church is always going to be going forward. But the expressions of that church, the ones we've become uh, a part of or that we love, uh, are, are going away. Um, do you blame the pandemic? You can. You can pretty easily. Um, but most people presume by now to know that, understand that the pandemic really exposed, and you probably feel this in your own life, right? It exposes things that were true, that were lacking, uh, that were lackluster, that you didn't know. And so um, about a third of the people that used to go to church regularly aren't engaging the church at all anymore, at all online, in any form or fashion, and there is no expectation that that group of people are going to come back. Um, another third uh, will come back maybe rather slowly. When, as you would suspect, when people aren't around the church, they don't give to the church, which you could boil it down and say the expressions that we enjoy, the churches that we have, the ministries that we do, certainly fueled by God, but they are resourced by the people that are a part of the church. Um, we're not in any jeopardy of going away. We've been very fortunate. God has blessed us 
tremendously. We've been able to grow as a church in terms of influence and ministry in the city. But I will tell you this, here's the cards on the table. Our giving trends are as dismal as they've ever been. It will require further cuts than what we've already planned and and done. And I'll tell you this, that doesn't scare me. I'm I'm not afraid of that. I I don't have any anxiety about that at all. I didn't choose this role. I didn't choose this path. I didn't choose when to get on it. And I won't choose when I'm done. When God's done with me, he'll be done with me. And I am, some ways, I'm looking forward. The job at Home Depot inside the front door appeals to me like you can't imagine. Uh, Very short conversations, talking about mechanical things. I, I just, not a big deal for me. I've, uh, I want you to know that whoever, wherever your church is, your contribution matters a lot. I've done the analysis myself. I didn't pay anybody to do it. I pour over um, the data for the church. And I'll tell you what I've concluded. Everyone, most everyone assumes what they have to offer is too small. They wish they could give more. 64% of the givers of this church mistakenly conclude that a stoppage or a break in their giving isn't significant. And it is, dramatically so. Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a bright and hearted giver. I believe wholeheartedly in that verse. I don't, I don't ever compel someone to give. I don't, I, don't, I don't use guilt or anything like that. I, I simply want people to know that it is the faithful contributions of the church that sustain the church. And that nobody is exempt from that ownership. If everyone that is engaged with Vista and and any church, wherever you are engaged, hear my heart on that. If you decided and if you gave what you understood God wanted you to give and you did it consistently without exemption, week in and week out, Every church would have everything it needed. God puts on the heart of those in the church how to support and, how, and when to support. And when the church responds in faith to God, the church has everything it needs. All we each have to do is our part. I am convinced that the progress of the church, and we are excited about the future of this church in particular, is fueled by the collective bits of faith that every single one of us provide. I just want you to know that you are important. What God has put on your heart is important. God assures us that wherever and whenever and whomever you do give generously to, whatever that is, wherever it is, hear me saying this, this is not about Vista, this is about your heart and about where you are. You can expect that gift to be Enormously helpful, but also to nourish your own soul. 
Um, God's, God has set us on a really cool, awesome course, and the future is bright, and I'm super excited to do it with you. I need you. Your church needs you wherever your church is. Speaking of reaching more and reaching further, if you're following along in the Rooted Study, thanks for that commercial break, um, you're going to find a chapter called something like Sharing Your Faith. Sharing Your Faith. Which means that this morning we're talking about talking about our faith. We're talking about what it is and what it means to talk about our faith. You know, that, that obligation that we all have to evangelize. The responsibility to our family and friends and classmates and teammates and associates about Jesus. How's that going for you? How, 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 many, how many gospel presentations have you made this week? <laughs> That's more uncomfortable than a conversation about money. We know it's far more important. It's anxiety-provoking just to even think about it. Introverts especially so. For those who assess themselves poorly, intellectually, or in their understanding of the Bible, anxiety level goes way up when we start to press on this subject. Maybe you have experienced a lot of rejection in your life, and of course, sharing the gospel involves a lot of rejection. It's no different than any sales job. It's nine rejections, if not more, for every possibility, right? That's, that's a, it's a rough go. It's the preacher's job anyway, right? That's not, that's not your job. You bring them here. I do it. Maybe you don't know anybody who is not a Christian. And so there's a million excuses, a ton of reasons why we don't talk to others about our faith. But of course, with the eternal security of a person's eternity, right, uh, swinging in the balance, it's urgent. With the, with the eternal security of a person's soul swinging in the balance, none of us would debate the urgency of sharing the gospel. I remember uh, I was just out of college. I was at a summer camp for kids, and I was one of the counselors, and we were being trained by a, by a man that was probably only five years older than the rest of us. It was a young family, maybe one baby at the time, one kiddo. And he was talking about evangelism. And he was talking about, there was a there hundred of us. And it was emotional for him about the urgency of sharing the gospel. And it began to become clear why it was so urgent for him. He brought up his high school sweetheart. Now he, he'd been a Christian since he was a child. He was involved in Christianity and church and his, and all through his life, and um, whomever he happened to be dating in high school, he never shared the gospel with her. He never explained the, who Jesus was. He, he never put down in front of her or talked to her about her eternal security, her soul. And she tragically lost her life before she even graduated from high school in an automobile accident. And Kip, just with, with tears in his eyes, said, 
We've got to share the gospel. You see, he, he's living even now with a certain degree of sadness and guilt about the eternal future of his girlfriend in high school. Apart from Jesus, he knows she's spending eternity without God in hell. We, we don't like that. We don't, we don't like that kind of conversation. We don't like that kind of conclusion. Uh, uh, eternal damnation is not in vogue. We don't, we don't, even Christians don't really consciously walk through life looking around and sensing that everyone that they see is going one of two places. They're going to be with God eternally and forever in Christ in heaven or not, and eternally separated in hell. Whether or not eternal life or death is a motivator for you, the reality of that is very basic to the Christian worldview. This is what Jesus said. And that being true is a very sobering idea. We distance ourselves from it. We think, oh, I can't possibly have that much influence, that much responsibility. It can't possibly be because of me that someone might not find their way back to God. That's not what we understand to be true from the narrative front to back from God. He has, for whatever reason, decided to use his people, his children, his family, his body, the extension of his body, his army to reach those that are still far from God. This is a real thing. Eternity is real. There are two endpoints for that eternity. That's real. Jesus made it patently clear that you could put people in two groups. In fact, these are the only groups that Jesus put people in. There was no other group that was important to Jesus, not even his own ethnicity. There were two groups, those that were going to spend eternity with God in him or not. He talked about the sheep and the goats, the wheat, and the weeds, the wide path, and the narrow path. And even at his death, at his death, at his crucifixion, with someone being crucified on his left and his right, it is utterly, substantially, and arguably true that one of them was going to spend eternity in paradise with Jesus, and the other was not. Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's all very sobering. You could argue that's the only reason that believers are left on the face of the earth anyway. Right? Once you have found eternal life in Christ, why not be swept up to heaven immediately? For most of us, we're like, yeah, I'm in for that option. But that's not the way it is. He leaves us here. Why? 
Because that's the way he's chosen to continue the ministry of his son. To reach those that are far from God through those who have become near to God. If family, friends, and associates are without Christ and therefore separated from God, how selfish, how short-sighted, how viciously unloving is it for those of us with fire insurance, if you will, not to help someone else find out how they get it? Can you articulate your faith in a compelling and winning way. It's, it's, it's part of what we do. It's part of who we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. Paul says, as though God were making his appeal through us. And it's, it's not just our words. If you're stuck on that, it isn't. It is at least in part, Jesus told this whole crowd of people that were following him. Otherwise, marginalized, ungodly, uneducated people, they would have all the same excuses you and I have for why we wouldn't, first of all, be able to be in the kingdom and secondarily say anything about it. But this is what he said to this sort of unruly gaggle of people. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good needs and glorify your Father in heaven. Campus Crusade was founded in like I probably the 60s. Was it even before that? I don't know. And a lot of other ministries like Young Life and Youth for Christ and others followed the same model of Campus Crusade and the same mission, which was if we do our job as Christians... We can see the whole world come to Christ in our lifetime. Be a good idea to adopt that paradigm, to have that level of an urgency about the good news that we have. Paul says, I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, your words and your life should be a part of, are a part as a Christian, a part of God's solution for the world to find him. You're probably aware of a, a quote that's often been attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but it's probably not him. No one knows. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. People use that phrase to say, look, I don't need words. But it says, look, even the person who wrote the quote, preach the gospel at times, and, and, and if necessary, sometimes words are necessary. It's both and, how we live, what we say. Why do we fall short here? Of our own aspirations. I'm not saying anything to, to you that you don't already feel in your own soul. We, we don't, we don't fall, fall short of my expectations or Jesus' expectations exclusively. We fall short of our own expectations. We walk away from relationships and people at times and go, why didn't it was right there? 
Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I say that? Why did I? Why did that? What happened? I'm going to give you two reasons I think we're slow to share our faith. If you're, not take, if you're not talking about your faith, the first reason might be that you haven't received what's yours or you're not enjoying it. Let me ask you this. What's your favorite pastime? What's your favorite team? What's your favorite movie? What's the coolest car that's coming out? What do, you, what do you love? Climbing? Rare coins? What do you really, really enjoy? Book club? Reading? Golfing? Bourbon? Music? A particular music group? Eating out? That particular restaurant? That guy's cooking? Stock market dynamics? Finances? What do you enjoy? Complaining? Some people really enjoy that. Learning? What's really important to you? Politics? Race, gender, children, charity work, serving the underprivileged. What do you enjoy? What is your favorite stuff? What do you love? What's important to you? And let me ask you this. Do you struggle to talk about it? Nobody has a favorite, enjoyable, meaningful, wonderful, greatest thing in their life, and they don't say anything about it. Even introverts find a way to talk about rare coins. Because there's, there's no extroverts collecting rare coins. That's aside, that's aside from the point. <laughs> Only people like me have things like that that can somehow bring enjoyment. Does anybody make you talk about those things? Have you ever gone to the movies and the person that's ready to sell you the ticket said, before I sell you a ticket to another movie, I need to know if you've talked to anybody about the last movie. Nobody does that. Right? You, you, you're not gonna, you don't go to a football game or a baseball game or one of your favorite teams and say, look, you can't come in unless you've gone on and on and on about your team. Is anybody forcing you to talk about politics and race and gender right now? No, if you're into those things, you're talking about whether people want to hear it or not. If someone is disinterested in your particular passion or meaningful pursuit in your life, does that cause you to stop talking about it? Does that cause you to change the content or the direction of your passion? No, it's just your passion. You love it. You can't help talking about it. It means something to you. You can't escape it. It keeps you going. It occupies your mind. In many cases, it gives you purpose. It's quite natural to talk about something that moves you. If you're not talking about your faith, I would suggest the first reason is you're no longer moved by Jesus or you're not enjoying what he's given to you. If Jesus is to be believed, which I would suggest he is, if his disciples are a testimony to us, which of course they are, if the history of the most significant movement in history, the most significant, undeniable movement in global history tells us anything, it tells us that trusting God, following Jesus, is a life-altering emancipation 
from the fears and the anchors of life such that you become a spring out of which life flows. Is that you? If it's not, what is there to talk about? You can't have a life that's dull and meaningless and sad and say to someone, Jesus will change your life. They'd be thinking, to that? I don't, I don't want that. I already have that. To receive what God has provided in Jesus is to be all that you were intended to be. To enjoy an unquenchable, even shocking balance of confidence and contentment. It's to be the sort of person that loves and lives in inexplicable ways. It is to possess something that drives you from deep inside. And if that's true, you're going to be talking about it. If it's not true, it would be odd to be talking about it. If your life isn't a joy-filled peaceful, hope beyond today, courageous, core-level energy ignited by Jesus, why would you talk about him? <laughs> because you should? <laughs> Please don't talk about Jesus because you should. That's not even remotely helpful. It might be remotely helpful. I should... You might want to talk about Jesus because you, you get my point. We don't want this to be a mechanic. We're talking about life here. And just for the record, life, and energy, and contentment, and courage, and boldness looks very different for different people. <laughs> if you know my wife and I, you would say to yourself, how, how is this marriage even possible? <laughs> She's one step ahead of me. We agree with you, but the point is life looks different. Nonetheless, a life, the abundant life of Jesus is something that lives from deep within us that flows out of us. The first step to sharing about the inexplicable life in Christ is to have it. <laughs> is to have it. Some of us have lost our love for Jesus, out of which life flows. The second reason you might be struggling to share your faith is that you might be sharing your faith with the wrong people. Let me give you an example. I was, we were like three years into Vista Community Church, sitting in my office, phone rings. It was on a cradle <laughs> on my desk. And I picked up this thing the size of a brick, and I put it up to my head. <laughs> and there was a cord attached to it. And I said, hello? And before I got done with hello, a salesman rolled into his pitch, man, and he was excited. He was so excited. He's talking about buildings, church buildings, metal buildings. And they had done all the legwork. They had resourced local suppliers. They had talked to local banks. They had this thing figured out, worked out. All I needed to do was say, I want, yes. And I said, hey, hey, hey. 
with all due respect, sir, you have skipped over a very, very important question. And he was like, uh, 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 okay. Uh, he's like, his mind's racing. He's like, are you, uh, let's see. oh, are you, do you want a building? I was like, that's the one. He goes, do you? I said, nope. You can't. <laughs> there's very little sense. Again, there's some. I shouldn't be speaking in extremes. There's, there's very little sense, maybe a little, to sell something to someone that doesn't want it or need it. It makes very little difference how wonderfully you describe a painting if you're trying to sell that painting to a blind man. It makes very little sense to sell water to someone who's not thirsty. Jesus isn't a theology. He's not a philosophy. He's not even a lifestyle. There's theology related to Jesus. There's philosophy related to Jesus. There's a lifestyle related to Jesus. But that's not who he is. Jesus is a solution. He's a solution for a problem. He's a solution for people who know they have a problem. Jesus is good news for people, enlightened to the bad news that they have discovered. That's who we need to be talking to. Those who have a problem to which the Jesus that solved our problem can solve. Here's what I've said so far. Sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel, telling about your faith requires you to be spiritually ignited and your listener to be spiritually enlightened. Are you with me? You need to be alive, and they need to know they're dead. How do you get ignited? How do you find those who are enlightened? Let me take the last few minutes here to give you some direction on that. Let's start with how do you find those who are enlightened? Let me start here with what does it mean to be enlightened? Humans have been created to live in a particular way and to do so in relationship to the one who created them to live that way. That's who we understand God to be. In our ignorance and along with our very natural tendencies, we tend to do things independently in our own way. We can do that without trying at all. To live in opposition to our design and apart from our creator. That's what we do in spades on our own. No one needs to teach us how to live apart from God in ways that are not like God. The result of that, though, because God designed this life, is a frustrated life, an empty life, a broken life, an anxiety-filled life, to name just a few. Most people spend their lives thinking that there is some way out of this idea that they're experiencing. They say life is great, but they know it's broken. They know it's empty. They know that it's frustrated. 
They stay in their pride. They will keep trying to solve that problem on their own. They'll keep looking to other things, idols, other gods, other people, other pursuits to fix that. A spiritually enlightened person begins to recognize the real problem is me. The real problem is pride and their disregard for the greater purposes and understandings of the universe, their own creator, God. Even though they may not be able to articulate it, the spiritually enlightened person is going to have a degree of humility that leads them to a spiritually healthy conclusion. It's not all about me, and I've got a problem. That is who we need to be talking to. The the Old Testament wisdom says he leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble its way. Humility is the key. You and I can't generate that. if, If you can, you let me know. If you've been able to force someone to be humble, you let me know. People need to grapple with God. And they need to discover their own pride before Jesus is going to make any sense to them. Before Jesus is going to be any sort of good news, a person is going to have to have really God begin to humble them. And then his son begins to make sense. Are you with me? You tracking? Jesus becomes good news when we start to realize we can't fix ourselves or our relationship to God. Humility is the key. Humility is the characteristic we're looking for to share about Jesus. Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and then I will raise him up. We're looking for people who God is drawing, who have a degree of spiritual enlightenment, humility in their life, and now we have a space in which we can talk about Jesus and the gospel. We can't create that humility. We can't create that spiritual enlightenment, but we can cultivate the right spaces and the right opportunities to share. This is where we can work. I'm not going to dig into this too deeply today just because of the amount of time, but we're going to study a book in the not-too-distant future that's going to walk through this in detail. If you've been around Vista, you've seen this for years. It's called BLESS10. BLESS10 is just an, uh, an acronym, a, a mnemonic, uh, something that helps us remember, you want to know for real, how to make friends, how to be a friend, how to cultivate a space in which a person who is uh, uh, becoming spiritually enlightened, being drawn by God, uh, is available for us to talk about what we have found in Jesus. The basic outline is this. You begin with prayer. I cannot tell you, it's almost 100%. Anybody who's had success sharing Jesus with somebody has been praying for them. Pray for 10 people, and I'll be praying that one of them starts to find their way back to God, and y'all can have a conversation. Pray for 10 people. Expect maybe three to engage on a little bit deeper level. Expect one at any given time to dive in a little bit deeper with God. Pray for 10. 
Listen. It's a big one for me. When I write bless, I make a big L. Christians have a tendency to talk a lot, try to, you know, give all the theological answers and Bible verses, and we just start talking, and then we go home later, and we're like, did they come Christ? I don't know. I, I didn't stop talking. <laughs> I, how would, listen, 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 listen. Get together multiple times, listen. People don't, people don't unload their baggage day one, day two, day three. It takes a long time for a person to build trust, to be, to be honest. Listen, engage, eat with them, and go into their world, hang out with them, ask questions about what their life is like, serve them. And then when the opportunity presents itself, tell your story, the story of Jesus. But I'm going to finish by going back to this thing we started with. You've got to be ignited or reignited in your own faith. You've got to be a, 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 an abundant life. You've got to be a well springing up eternally from within. How do you get there? Same answer. Humility. Come back to Jesus. Learn again. Remember, it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. This isn't something that you've done and walked away from. Right now, you and I are saved by grace through faith. Is anybody getting it all right? Has anybody got it nailed? No. <laughs> If anything, we grow in deeper understanding of how sinful we are. We can grow frustrated at the, the inability to make the kind of progress that we want to make. No, we need Jesus every day. Have the humility to admit that. Come back to that. It's not by our works. We all have to humbly, honestly come to Jesus again and again and again, like a child. In fact, you could say this. The same way a person that's just become spiritually enlightened, the, sway, the same way a, a person that's approaching God, that's, that's hearing about Jesus for the first time, has the posture and the attitude that should be no different than ours. We're not following Jesus the way he wants us to follow. We don't know everything about Jesus that he wants us to know. We've gotten off base. This is one of the most difficult things for us to remember to think about when it comes to talking about Jesus, leading someone else to Christ, is to get in a set of shoes right next to them. It's not about, I know Jesus, why don't you come to me? I'll give, it, give you the whole thing. It's like, no, look, we are both bowed on our knees before Jesus. I'm just coming alongside you because I need it as much as you do as ever I did. It's just us alongside one another, talking about what we know so far, what we've learned, how we've, how we've grown, how, how, how we've missed it, how much we need Jesus. 
I like to think of God flying at 30,000 feet over the planet, looking down at two individuals, one of which has been following Jesus for 20 years, one that's about to start following Jesus, and don't let the metaphor break down too much. The difference for God between those two people, not much, if anything. Think about it for a minute. When you get to heaven, are you going to discover that you had like 90% of it? That you were, you were walking in the ways that God wanted you to walk, like, you know, 80, 75, you're gonna get, you think you're going to see plus? No, the difference is like, this is, okay, you told you, cars at the table, it's like, I think the best Christians are getting like a D minus, and those that aren't following Jesus yet are like an F. Did you get my point? Like, we, we can't stop thinking we're so far ahead. <laughs> God is so patient. When we think, well, I got this figured out, this other guy, God's going to be like, ugh. Mike, pursue Jesus together. I'm going to finish with this. Remember, reflect, reduce, and relax. Remember, reflect, reduce, relax. Remember, every day, the mercy of God that is already yours. Reflect without fear all that you have been given into the people in your life. Reduce your Jesus story down to something very simple that isn't just then, but is now. What's going on now in very simple terms could be this. Here's my testimony. I am missing it completely right now. I have failed in these ways that God, and I am turning to Jesus again for forgiveness. That's the gospel, friends. Someone can hear that. And relax. Just be honest about the ups and downs of you and God. And let God do what he does. Which is draw men and women and children to him. God, we should be thanking you for the unbelievable privilege of being a part of your great mission to bring all people into a worshipful posture with you. Help us, God, every step of the way to be worshipful, to be worshiping, to be trusting, to be generous, to be forgiving. This is our prayer, God, that we would be the church you need us to be for the sake of those who are not yours yet. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here. If you were here digitally today or any other form, look for ways to engage throughout the week, and I will see you. We will see you sometime soon.